When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We will, over the next hour, discuss 10 companies picked by you. We've got two experts with us. It's the 27th of January, and I'm Nadine Blaney. So with us today, we have Henry Jennings from Marcus Today at Barangaroo. We've also got Andrew Whiteland joining us from Toowoomba with his pin on from DP Wealth Advisory. Guys, welcome, Andrew. I'll start with you. How are you doing on this Wednesday, post-Australia Day? Hi, Nadine, and uh, everyone viewing, and of course, even Henry might even get a hello from me today. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's all going well, thank you. Good, and Henry, it certainly feels as if we are right back to work, right? There's there's no late starts. There's no knocking off early now. It is well, this done is and it, dusted. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the end of the holiday season. Australia Day does mark the end of the holiday season, the kickoff of the corporate season. We've got results coming. We've got US earnings dropping. So it's all happening. Yeah. Deals happening. So it's good. It's yeah, good. I think it's a great time of year. Yeah. Really looking forward to everything that's to come. And ahead of reporting season, we're getting a lot of updates from companies. And today, one that is our stock of the day is Dempstra. It's out with a positive trading update today. Operating cash receipts of 7.4 million for the quarter, jumping 59% on the PCP. Chief Executive Christian Dempstra is saying that the result demonstrates how quickly its recent acquisition, Vault Intelligence, has been integrated into the company, both from a product and people perspective. And we've got uh, shares looking pretty sweet today, up by three percent the ticker code there if you're following along at home is dtc so talking about people and integration i mean guys this is what this you know this company is all about it's an integrated workforce solutions management um, provider essentially what that's is, a lot of words what does that mean has technology <laughs> that helps workforces helps yeah, corporates track their people and it's been in demand as well COVID has thrown up yeah. all sorts of opportunities what stands out to you about this company henry um, this is one that I looked at some time ago and kind of was quite interesting. It had a bit of a, a flip up. It did quite well for a while, but then it fell out of favor. And I think the Vault Intelligence acquisition that it made, um, the market was a little bit uncertain about. And it's always good to get an update from the company as to how that's going. And I think the market was waiting for this. So we've had a bit of a 3% rise today, which is good. Um, I'm not sure if it's got enough oomph to really get it going before the numbers. I think they're due at the end of February, mm-hmm. 26th of February, the official first half numbers. So um, it's an interesting company. The acquisition's going well, and that's always the danger when these companies take over something because the egos and the, and the whole culture sometimes doesn't match, and it takes a little while to bed things down. But it looks as if they're certainly on track. So it's probably going to be on my radar, but maybe a little bit too soon to get too excited just yet. Have to go through the numbers in a bit more detail. But uh, it's it's an interesting company, good management, not that liquid sometimes. That's one of the issues with it, I think. Andrew, uh, Dempster Holdings, DTC. 
Uh, we've had the uh, the founder, Christian Damster, on the program a number of times. If uh, any of our viewers would like to go back and watch those interviews, they are in the archives. Uh, what do you make of Damstra? Are you familiar with it? I uh, don't follow it super closely, but uh, one of the questions we were asked, oh, no, three or four months ago now on the call was around Vault. And, uh, of course, uh, that was just prior to their acquisition by Damstra. So had a bit of a look at Damstra at that time. And I agree with Henry, one of the issues you need to bear in mind whenever there's a, an acquisition that there's always that sort of bedding down process. Um, so I, I guess that's probably a bit of an amber flashing light for me, but in the context of the underlying business, it's a pretty good business and it's got great margins. It's about 77% margins. Uh, it's building up its cash quite nicely and uh, might even turn a profit in 2022, who knows? So uh, consensus is about $2.20 on it. It's trading about $1.50. Chart doesn't look that flash, but as Henry is saying, it does seem to be bottoming. It looks like it's bottomed out at about a dollar thirty, so it's probably a hold. But uh, that vault business was quite interesting. So if they can get that integration piece working quite nicely, let's see what those results look like at the end of February. It might be uh, certainly one for the watch list. So you guys are both saying, though, just to be clear, Andrew, that uh, the results in February. I've just put in a request with the company for an interview. Then. Um, may be a catalyst so it's it's worthwhile holding off until then oh it's just a the short answer is yes nadine but this all the companies we're going to talk about today and across the whole broad market you know we're talking about the market being interesting this time of year it's certainly busy for all of us but it is indeed a dangerous time of year to be sort of doing any buying especially for companies that are reporting because you you know four to six weeks out from potentially you know some good news or some bad news so uh, I'd say that with any company, but in particular this one. Okay, does that hold true? Just to put you on the spot, Andrew, for companies that have updated like Damstra, like some of the retailers ahead of reporting season, or can you take that information as an investor and act on that accordingly at this time, pre, pre-report? Oh, you can. Yeah, you, you can. I mean, January is historically, uh, if we're talking about the sort of the February, March reporting season, if you're going to come out with materially worse numbers, so materially worse numbers is 15% worse than your previous corresponding period, you've got to put your hand up immediately. So from that point of view, that's one thing to bear in mind. So if your company of choice hasn't sort of come out as yet, then it's less likely to do so. And as you're saying, some of these retailers, uh, or whichever company we're talking about that are saying the numbers are okay. A lot of it though, Nadine, is the outlook. You know, 80% of the market, the market is sort of ascribing 80% of the share prices around the outlook. The 20% is, what have you done? That's fantastic. You've met what you said you were going to do. It's really now around what's the outlook? What's the market conditions look like? How are your competitors going? How are you going? So that's really what the market's looking for. And that's why I guess from an outlook point of view, I want to hear from them and all these other companies. Yeah, well, then you've given me a segue to our first stock of the day picked by our viewers. This one comes to us from Chris. It is Senex Energy. So it has updated in terms of quarterly production just recently in the past number of days. But I was reading one broker report, Henry, that said there are still a number of catalysts over the next two years that could support the share price going forward. So in yep. terms of outlook for Senex, what uh, do you see? Well, the company's changing, I guess. It sold its Cooper Basin assets for, I think it was around $88 million. Um, they've got cash in the bank, which covers their debt, which is good. Um, and the share price has done pretty well recently. And there's a lot of guys out there that have got somewhat higher valuations. I have to say it doesn't... I mean, it doesn't really get, it's a $530 million company. And it used to be, years ago, it was kind of bundled in the same group as Beach Petroleum. And you look at Beach and it's just gone for leaps and bounds ahead. Whereas Senex has really not done 
an awful lot. And I think that's really the story of Senex. We're waiting for more evidence that they're going to put the money to good use. They're talking about you know, transforming the business, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's all good. People have got you know, 43, 45 cent price targets on this. And they have got you know, 58 million in cash, net debt of 52 million. So it's, it's, it's just not that sexy really at the moment. There's a lot of people got outperformed, but I think there's probably better oil stocks elsewhere uh, for my money. And it, it just really has been left behind a little bit, I think. If you're going to go in for an oil play, uh, I think Beach is the better of the two. Okay. Um, obviously much bigger now as well. Uh, so does Senex Andrew, have to be sexy? S-X-Y is the ticker code. <laughs> um, or when you consider that it has said that it remains in the market for through for new acreages through M&A, it's got strong leverage to the retightening of the East Coast gas market. I mean, would it be a good prospect at this time if you consider what the outlook could hold? Yeah, I thought, Nadine, I thought Henry was the only one with the bad puns. I think I'm going to have to put you in the uh, the naughty corner as oh, well. Good um, yeah, yeah. Look, um, actually, I understand there's a really interesting podcast coming up on Saturday that's talking about ASX names that you might want to listen to as well. Um, I... Um, Look, I, I don't mind Senex. It's a Queensland company. It's actually just down the road or about four hours up the road from us. So, no, a little bit about it. But Henry's spot on. You know, if you go back four or five years ago, Beach and Senex were sort of almost in our sort of emerging leaders energy bundle. And, you know, which one would you prefer? And Beach, as Henry quite rightly points out, has just shot the lights out. Whereas, unfortunately, you can't say the same for Senex. They're sort of going through that transformation process at the moment. It's still probably another 18 months, two years before they fully deliver. We'll start paying dividends next year. That Cooper Basin divestment's been pretty good for them. Uh, they're going to have some free cash flow, about $40 million a year. That will let them do that. And over the last 12 months, it's up about 19%. But over the last five years, it's done pretty much nothing. So I... Uh, Unfortunately, even though it's, you could almost call it a local company, it's probably hard to get a little excited about this. I guess if I wanted a gas company, I actually prefer the pipeline providers, the ones that actually uh, do the, the moving of the gas around, if I can put it that way. So APA certainly floats my boat from that point of view. Or if I wanted a pure play energy emerging leader, it's certainly Beach. Don't mind Santos either, but yeah, unfortunately, Cenex uh, doesn't do it for me. All right, that's the answer for you, Chris, from these two expert guests. Let's get to our next company. This has been brought to us by Gina. She's asking about St. Barbara, so SBM. Andrew, we're on you. I may as well stick with you. In the gold space, however, it's had a very ambitious track record. I suppose you could say it has come up against some problems as well over the years. Yeah, it's had a few issues. And in fact, I note only this morning they came out with their most recent quarterly update. Uh, which is certainly a lot better, albeit off a, off a low base. They had the issues at Gualia from memory. Um, so that certainly uh, put them on the back foot in the last quarter. They still came out with production, but only at the lower end of guidance, which you know the market may or may not like, depends upon how you want to look at it. Uh, they're, they're sort of um, in WA, P&G and Canada. And, you know, the CEO owns $200,000 million, sorry, $200, worth of company, which is great, but, I mean, it's a $1.6 billion company. So you can't say they've got a huge amount of sort of skin in the game. Um, I mean, the key risk for me is what's going to happen with the gold price. I mean, we saw that inflation data come out here in Australia this morning, which was actually at the higher end, which is supportive of gold. 
But, you know, if the gold price continues to fall away, because technically it's been a bit ordinary. And the other thing, of course, is that rising Aussie dollar is not going to be doing it any favours either. So, look, it's a quality business. But from my point of view, I'd probably prefer the, the merged Northern Star Saracen in this sort of small, well, it's not no longer small, but in this mid-tier space. I mean, obviously, Newcrest is the behemoth. But uh, from my point of view, I'm probably more of a Northern Star Saracen type of person. Okay, so that's uh, the colours that uh, Andrew is wearing. How about you, Henry? Because, uh, you know, management says that they are intent on maximising performance, that they will bring returns from existing assets. They're not going to be embarking on M&A. I mean, if the gold price rises, does it lift all boats? Uh, it does lift all boats. That, that's certainly for sure. I mean, they're, they're bringing this, they call it building brilliance. So it's about cost-cutting and maximising everything. Do you like it when companies have tag names for these programs that they go through? Not really, no. I mean, it, it's, 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 at least it puts something, it gives you a framework to put something around. I guess the, the problem with St. Barbara has just been disappointing. It's a bit like Senex in the gold stocks. It runs when the gold price goes, but even when it runs, it underperforms the evolutions, the Northern Stars, the Saracens, those sorts of things. So if you want to get your bang for your buck, uh, I think you're better off playing, as Andrew says, the Northern Star Saracen merger for the uh, Super Pit, I think, is the interesting way to play this. Also, Gold Road looks quite interesting at these kind of levels. I think that's one's been uh, put in the naughty corner. Maybe uh, not really, you know, not really due to uh, the company. But um, I just, St. Barbara, for me, is really not the way to play the gold price. You have to be bullish on the gold price. The, the guidance they put out today was quite wide as well in terms of uh, the all-in sustaining costs and the production numbers. So, um, yeah, it's just, there's better, I think. Lackluster, St. Barbara, according to these guys, in keeping with the pun run. All right, Orthocell is the next company on the list. Dave has asked us about this one, OCC. I spoke with the managing director, Paul Anderson, last week after they got regulatory approval in the U.S. It follows regulatory approval for their... Um, dental bone and tissue regeneration procedures uh, in here in Australia and in Europe. Look, there's a lot of work to be done. I'm curious to get your view on Orthocell, Andrew. It's a biotech and yes, they take a long time. Yes, they take a lot of money, but there will be some Australian success stories. Could Orthocell be one of them? It could be, Nadine. I could be struck by lightning sitting here as well. Anything is possible. Um, no, look, it's... Um, it's it's actually quite an interesting story. I hadn't done too much work on it prior to getting my, my homework list from, from Guadam, the producer, but it actually looks like a really interesting story. That sort of cell grow business, it's uh, being used in Europe at the moment. They've got a patent, of course. And uh, the reason the share price has gone for a bit of a run is because they got FDA approval in the, uh, in the US for this. The manufacturing... Uh, takes place in WA, so you know this sort of whole story around no longer globalisation but local production. It certainly ticks that box. They've got a partnership with the University of Western Australia, which isn't too bad. And one of my little things I look at is what's the ownership within the company, and the CEO owns nine percent. So I certainly like the skin in the game piece. So as a as a spec. Um, I actually don't mind this one. This one doesn't look too bad, but as you quite rightly point out, plenty of risks. So you'd be certainly going in with your eyes open, but yeah, I don't mind it. So can I say that's a buy? Oh, I reckon we just stick a buy in that. Okay, buy, buy Orthocell. For I, the promise that comes, they've got 
manufacturing sorted. They've got this approval. Yep. Uh, the MD was talking to us about getting opinion leaders to really advocate on its behalf. So it is still in the developmental phase, but they're building a market presence. They are building a market presence. I'm, I'm going to put a bar in it as well, just to uh, agree with Andrew. They've just got this FDA approval, mm. which is good. It's not the world's biggest kind of market. It's always nice to have a you know a billion dollar market to aim for. This this in terms of the dental market, they're talking about 500 million dollars per annum, which is not small, but it's not the elephant that they're aiming for. So this is this new CellGrow uh, product, which is uh, to do with bone and tissue regeneration for dental work. So it's, it's all shaping up quite nicely. It's only a $100 million market cap. As Andrew says, the man's got skin in the game. Um, the chart looks okay. It's had a bit of a pop higher, but it's pulled back a bit. I wouldn't be uh, averse to owning this one, I, ha I have to say. Going forward, it'd be nice to see some more commercialization of this technology with Europe and uh, the US and obviously here as well. So yeah. it's a buy. So it's when you buy and yeah. you keep your eyes open and keep reading those reports. That's for you, Dave. Now, Livia has emailed us asking about Unity Group. And today, a pretty good day to check in on the company. We've had an update coming from Unity Group. It says that it's got record operating cash flow up 53%. Uh, the list of metrics go on. If you'd like to read the update, you should go to the ASX website. I always encourage investors to do that for themselves. And it's coming up to its two-year anniversary of its listing next month. It bought those Velocity assets from Telstra for $85 million up front. So, is everything going swimmingly over at UWL? It appears to be, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I've got to say, it appears to be. It was a pretty good update from them. Uh, the Telstra purchase is good. Brokers seem to like it. Um, yeah, I think it's all going quite well. It's pulled back from its highs. And I think in this kind of market, which is a bit sort of skittish at the moment, we could see a little bit more downside to come just as some profit takers move in. But I think long term, this is a good story. And it's obviously got good management. They're making the right moves in these acquisitions. Um, so I like this stock, yes. Oh, is there anything to like about Unity Group from where you sit, Andrew? And what, if so, could be a potential catalyst to get you into Unity? Uh, well, I'd like to see the share chart sort of turn itself around a little bit. As Henry said, it's just sort of uh, falling away a little bit. They recently did a share purchase plan at $1.50. So that, to me, sort of is a bit of a flaw. Now, I'm not suggesting we'll go to $1.50 in the short term, but you'd have to think that's going to be some sort of um, resistance, for, sorry, some support for it. I guess, though, not that I'm against it, but I look at the changing technology mix that's out there. So, you know, I'm Telstra. Why would I sell it? Why, why, did, why did I sell the FTTP side of the business, you know, the, the fibre business? Why did I sell it? Am I selling it, Telstra? Am I selling it because I'm sort of thinking that maybe 5G might actually deliver more promise? Um, I also note that management in their recent presentation talk about country of origin issues for their networking equipment. And we've seen all that uh, brouhaha, it's a technical finance term for those playing at home, um, that's going on with Huawei at the moment and having they, their network equipment. Uh, so I guess that to me is just a couple of sort of amber flashing lights, like it's a 76% of their earnings now comes from fibre. So it, if you're looking for an infrastructure business and, and fibre, and you think fibre is the technology mix going forward, you'd be pretty hard pressed not to support this. Andrew the nerd, hard to believe, um, I just can certainly see that you know, 5G might be certainly, maybe may, may more of the way of the future. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a hold on this one. Look, share price has been great. They've been in Pac-Man mode and making lots of acquisitions and Henry's right there was quite a good deal they got from Telstra but I guess whenever I see someone selling something my immediate question is but why 
if I had such a great business, why would I be selling it? Um, so yeah, I'm probably a hold on this. But it is Telstra that's selling it, Andrew. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you for the rider, Henry. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so sometimes they do, uh, they do sell things that maybe they shouldn't do. Yeah, well, we will see Unity Group, UWL. That is the view from this desk for you, Olivia, today. A hold and a buy. Uh, now, we are approaching the halfway mark. I'm curious to get uh, the next question out of the way for this company, and it's Maggie Beer Holdings, MBH. This one's coming to us from Will. Guys, we are one day after Australia Day. Can I say that Maggie Beer is a bit of a national treasure? Uh, you know, this company's got her name on it. It has been through a difficult time. It's been through a rebirth, a transformation. Um, it had pretty good... I guess a pretty good run through this whole pandemic when we get a lot more people cooking at home and looking to get those, those, uh, those, yeah, I suppose their hands dirty when it comes to, uh, you know, getting their meals ready. So is Maggie Beer, is this a short term impact when it comes to Maggie Beer, do you think, Andrew, or is there something about the company that will hold investors in good steed in the long term? Uh, you, you're right. I mean, if you look at their figures, this sort of e-commerce side of their business is just humming along. But if I'm a retailer and my e-commerce business isn't humming along at the moment, I'd probably be having a good hard look at myself. So that's certainly been a positive for them. If I was being difficult about it, which I know you'd find hard to believe, I look at the <laughs> fact that the CEO owns zero percent of the company and the chair owns zero. So, I mean, we're talking an $80 million company here. I mean, it's not small, but, you know, again, where's the skin in the game? So, I'm, I mean, look, from its March 23 low of $0.07, cents, it's done incredibly well. Um, it's down 13% per annum for the last five years relative to the market over the same period of time, which is up 10%. That dairy business of theirs, that Paris Creek Farms, it's uh, turning around apparently. But, um, yeah, I, I always just get a bit nervous, with due respect to Maggie Beer, who is a, a, a national treasure, uh, I always just get nervous investing in businesses where it's sort of around one person. Uh, and I note, you know, she's enthusiastically staying as a director of the company, which is great. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm finding it pretty hard to bring myself to put anything but a hold on this one. Sorry, Nadine. That's okay. I'm agnostic, but it has had a massive year. If you are even a believer in the Maggie Beer story in terms of the e-commerce side yep. of the business, they've partnered with Marley Spoon, Maggie Beer herself, our insatiable appetite for good food and quince paste and all the rest of it. But uh, even if you believed in the story, would it be tempting to take profits now? I think so, yeah. To go from $0.07 cents to $0.42, cents, I mean, that's a pretty good rise in anyone's book. Um, it has benefited from COVID, obviously, in this whole stay-at-home, cooking-at-home thing, and, of course, Marley Spoon effect as well. Um, and it's good to get the name of Maggie on the company, because I think it used to be called Long Table, yeah. which was, I don't know what, what that was. Anyway, um, so it's good to get Maggie's name on there, and she is a national treasure. I think, for me, it's a hold. Um, you know, they're making all the right uh, strides. They've got the Paris Creek Farms. That was up 11% in net sales growth. And St. David Dairy, up 5.4% net sales growth. But it's, I'm not sure where the excitement is in this one. I mean, it's, a, it's really recovered from those lows at $0.07, cents, now $0.40. Cents. I'm not sure where the next catalyst, where the next leg up is in this one. So um, it's an $83 million company. For me, it's just... At best, a hold, as Andrew says. Okay, so hold for Maggie Beers. Um, and I think that 
probably brings us to the point where I have to recap all of the stocks that we've talked about so far, including the stock of the day, which was Damstra. So Damstra, been doing M&A. Uh, Henry says, look, it's just a little bit too soon. Bit of an ember light for Andrew up there in Toowoomba is, uh, yeah, again, some of what happens in terms of integrating that Vault Intelligence acquisition. It is building up cash, so it looks like it could be profitable in 2022. Look, both of them say it's an interesting company, but perhaps just not quite a buy at this time. That brings us to Senex Energy, SXY. Not sexy, according to Henry or Andrew, really. They both flag Beach and its outperformance when the two companies pretty much had the same prospects a couple of years ago. So just waiting for evidence that this company, in Henry's view, will you know, get to the levels and the excitement that uh, Beach has already achieved. Um, Andrew as well, giving you a little bit of a bonus in there, saying that he prefers Beach, yes, but also some of those pipeline operators like APA Group. So uh, Senex is not a buy from either of the gentlemen. Now, St. Barbara, I didn't tell them, but this is in the portfolio. This will be leaving the portfolio, I do believe. Both of the guys calling St. Barbara really disappointing. It's underperformed, much like Senex has in relation to Beach. It's underperformed some of the other gold operators here in Australia. I should say Australian listed, of course, because it does have operations overseas. A another you know, point of pain for Andrew, which you'll hear again and again, is that the you know, the management doesn't have a lot of skin in the game. So both of these guys are talking about the Northern Star Saracen tie-up, the supermine that will come from that. And Henry gave you a bonus as well in Gold Road, which he likes better than Saracen. So St. Barbara out of that portfolio. Orthocell, OCC is the ticker code there. It is actually a buy. Now this is a buy with a bit of caution, I think, from Andrew and Henry. However, looking at the product, looking at the approvals that it now has achieved, even in the United States, it looks okay. The chart looks okay in Henry's point of view. And um, as opposed to St. Barbara, management does have skin in the game, about 9%, uh, which is always a plus in Andrew Veitland's book. Unity out with an update today, UWL. This is for Olivia. A buy from Henry, a hold though from Andrew. So it's not going in the portfolio. Andrew's just asking, is it the future? You know, if you're thinking about infrastructure assets in the telco space, 5G, isn't that looking a little bit more of uh, the future? And also, yeah, Velocity seems to be a good buy, but why was Telstra selling it? That's the question Andrew's asking, but Henry says that it does have good management. It was a good update, chart looking good. All right, that brings us to Maggie Beer Holding. So MBH, yes, Maggie Beer is a personality. She is an Australian icon, and Henry likes that her name is back on the company, however, um, you know, could be tempting to take profits if you're already in it. Henry says hold if you're in it, um, but he questions where the excitement is. What would be the next catalyst? Why would you be buying it now? And that's the question. And uh, I think Andrew agrees again, coming down to that skin in the game. CEO and the chair, zero holdings in the company. Um, so again, why not? If it's uh, the future is so exciting for Maggie Beer, why not? Uh, I think I put those words of exactly in your mouth, Andrew, but. I reckon you would agree. Yes? Nadine, I'd be silly not to agree with you. <laughs> oh, we are getting along so well today, Andrew. It's amazing. All right. As I've alluded to, we've got our own portfolio that we've been tracking since July 1st of now last year, 2020. And this is thanks to our partners 
at Mab Trade. So all the companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of our expert guests in the show we've been putting in. So time to check in on how we've been performing weekly. We are up about three quarters of a percent on month, two and a quarter of a percent. But on a year-to-date basis, so this is since July 1st, as I mentioned, 2020, we're up over 26%. And we play this game every day. We continue to keep you updated. So recently, we've had Whitehawk, Grange Resources, BetaShares Global Banks ETF, Objective Corporation, Magellan, and Big Tin Ken added. Uh, you can check out all of the names we have in that portfolio by heading to osbiz.co, co.com forward slash portfolio. All right, shall we get into it again, gentlemen? And uh, this is a good one, points bet. PBH is the ticker code. It's coming to us from Peter. Thanks for watching or listening, Peter. Great to have you along for the ride. Uh, Shack Attack, Andrew. <laughs> We've got Shaquille O'Neal, NBA great, just in case you didn't know, headlining the new brand campaign for points bet here in Australia. I thought that was a bit strange. Uh, it would probably be better, I thought, for PointsBet if he was fronting the company in the US. However, I was a little bit more interested in it when I realized that uh, Shaquille is also taking some of his compensation in the form of equity. What do you make of it? Yeah, I saw that same thing too, Nadine, and I initially thought, oh, he must be partnering with NBC, because of course they have that deal with uh, NBC. And then he's going to be the brand ambassador here in Australia. And I went, hmm, that's a bit strange. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, if I'm being true to my skin in the game mantra, uh, then yeah, look, that's that's great. I'm certainly pleased that he's he's doing that. Uh, look, I, I don't mind this business actually. Um, certainly, the valuations are probably a bit uh, a bit scary. In particular, if you look at what con um, consensus says, consensus is about twelve dollars eighty. I note, uh, whereas they're what around the sixteens. That, uh, that deal they did with um, NBC was obviously transformational for them. 184 million people in the US watch NBC. So uh, that's not a bad deal, but the, the rub for points bet is they need to spend just shy of $400 million over the next um, five years with them. So uh, NBC, you know, nice guys and girls, and we've got that new streaming service, Peacock, which they're signing up a, a lot of sports to, so I'm sure that'll be beneficial for them as well. But ultimately, uh, PointsBet need to keep that rollout in the US going on. They've now got about 12 states uh, that they're, they're operating in. Um, share price, as you can see, has just gone ballistic, um, up about 185% for the last 12 months. And business is actually going pretty well. They've got about 165,000 active clients relative to about 87,000 over the last 12 months. And of course, it's not the call if I don't mention the ownership of the company, uh, close to 10% is owned by the chair and the CEO. So overall, as a momentum play, don't mind it, but certainly pretty fully valued, I think as well. So that will be clear. Is that a buy? Is it a hold? Or would you be staying away from points bet? I want to straddle the barbed wire fence here, Nadine. You're not making this easy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would, which is rather uncomfortable, I can assure you. It's a, uh, it's a hold. It's a hold. Okay. Now, Henry, the US, as Andrew was alluding to, is so crucial yep. to points. But there's yep. a lot of hurdles to get through, a lot of regulatory hurdles. Um, there is competition yep. somewhat in the States. I mean, I know that Australians like to think of ourselves as you know, way up, way up the leaderboard when it comes to our knowledge and our activity when it comes to, to betting. But, you know, 
basically, what do you put the chances of PointsBet emerging victorious in the US? It's, well, I guess it's a massive market. Even if they're only semi-victorious, it's still going to go well. It is a $3 billion market cap company now, so it's not a small uh, mid-cap uh, company by any stretch of the imagination. It's got great management, good skill in the game, as Andrew says, and it's been making really good inroads into the US. They've just signed up, uh, they're launching in Colorado and Michigan, so it's all going very well. But at the end of the day, they are a bookies and they're not going to get the whole market to themselves. They're going to have to advertise a market, which is why they've got the Shack Attack, and they've signed up another guy today who... Um, well, paid. this is Paige Spiernak. I was asking around the newsroom no if anybody had is. heard of that person. No well, idea. apparently, it's golf's most influential right. digital media personality as global talent, our head of on-air talent and brand ambassador. I have no clue. No clue. But again, just Looks to good. the point about um, Shack Attack, and yep. you know, how important is it as well that it gets these recognizable people out there to front the brand? I mean, in that this business, you think it's really crucial? Well, it is because it's all about marketing. That's why they did the deal with NBC. You know, they're going to spend a lot of money pushing the brand, pushing their product. And if you open up the Daily Telegraph or whatever, you, you see sports bet, points bet, all the, and the tab, all these guys, they're all competing for the gambler's dollar. So it, it's, it's not a cheap game to get in front of those eyeballs, not a cheap game to, to do that marketing. So these brand ambassadors, you know, we, we've seen it with influencers and all that sort of stuff. They're, they're fantastic for these sorts of business. I, I like this company. I think it's a really, really good company and really executing very well. Big Australian success story. I'm just not really happy to be paying these kind of prices now. Um, I'd rather wait till some of the froth blows over again and we see this stock pull back. So it's definitely a hold. Um, it's not a sell because they proved in the past that it, it's kind of dangerous to be short this one. And um, it moves quite violently to the upside quite quickly. So um, I wouldn't be a seller, but I would be a holder. And if it does pull back, again, it's a good one to uh, have on your watch list and to be um, to be looking at to buy, that's for sure. Yeah, good. I just put it on my watch list to see what's happening today, down by about half of 1%. Yep. Now, one thing I love about this program when I do get the chance to host, and I know I'm not Koshy, no, I'm not Pagey, thanks for bearing with me, is uh, I learned about companies that I'm not familiar with. Um, and it's a big universe. Dragon Tail Systems is the next company on the list, DTS, it's from Geno. Uh, so all about AI in terms of the food delivery and preparation business. It says that it can cut labor costs. It's like having a super manager in the store. And if you think of, of things like that, um, that Domino's, I guess, uh, picture taking instrument of the pizzas to assure quality control before it goes out of the store, that is Dragon Tail Systems. Andrew, you familiar with the company or were you before today? I wasn't, and that's one of the reasons I like doing the call, apart from, you know, Henry's uh, witty conversation um, <laughs> and, and, and of course, the amazing hosts we have in reverse order. But, um, yeah, I, I hadn't uh, heard of uh, Dragon Tail, so I did a bit of a deep dive and, uh, yeah, not sort of super impressed. I, in fact, I, I got a little bit of a quote here, which I thought Henry would enjoy. Algo Systems Computer Vision and Uses AI Machine Learning. And I'm just like, come on, seriously, is there any other buzzword that they could find that, you know, the algorithms might like? Um, yeah, I just, I mean, it's a very thinly traded company. There's only about 51,000 shares a day that gets changed, uh, turned over rather. Recently got a speeding ticket from the ASX, uh, you know, why is your share price gone so high? And uh, they attribute it to the fact that there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. I thought, oh, this is interesting, Wall Street Journal, I probably should have a read of this article. 
It was actually a, perhaps I'm mischaracterising this, I apologise if I am, but it actually appeared to be a public release, a PR release, hmm. uh, that was actually in the Wall Street Journal as opposed to a piece of journalism from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> so, and it, look, it read quite well, and as you said, Nadine, you know, it talks about Domino's and Pizza Hut and KFC and drones and all that sort of stuff, but I suspect that's why we're seeing the share price just sort of come back off a little bit. Um, they've got three million in US cash, which is great. No debt. Um, they were are burning through a million a quarter, which is usually a bit of a concern. But they did just receive five million from a funder, and they issued them some preference shares. So that takes a bit of the immediate concern away. Chair and CEO owns twenty percent of the company, so I can't fault them on that. But yeah, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm out. It's, okay. it's a hold at best. All right, and. Uh... Dragon Tail Systems for you, Henry. I mean, I guess it matters what contracts they get with what names, but what are the margins? How long does this technology yeah. remain innovative? I mean, yes, there's a lot when it comes to food delivery these days to talk about, but, you know, I, I, I was struck by its website. So I was struck by its presentation. I've got to say, it was a very classy presentation, very schmick, lots and lots of buzzwords in there. Um, they had a flow chart of uh, how the whole restaurant system works with the Uber driver, with the Uber Eats guy coming. It See, was, I was thinking for a technology company, it wasn't all that flash. Anyway, oh, really? Okay, well, we I quite enjoyed the yeah. presentation. So, um, But like Andrew says, for me, it's a bit thin. Um, it's a bit kind of... Um, there seems to be a small group of people that control this one, and um, I'm not sure I want to play with them just at the moment. It's, it's so you're not convinced that it will be the next big thing when you consider I'm, just how much we're ordering out? I mean, I had food delivered for the first time in ages yesterday. Did you? Um, I, I think it, you know, it's obviously going to help people like McDonald's, Pizza Hut and KFC and all those kind of big guys, but I'm not sure if it's going to help your average restaurant. Um, it's probably a bit too high end. They want to get, they're going for the chains. They're going for the big bickies. Um, for me, it's just run too hard and it's too thin and it's too concentrated in ownership. You look at the top five guys there, 31, 40, 47, 56% is owned by the top five shareholders. So um, it's a bit kind of too concentrated for my liking. Interesting technology, lots of buzzwords, always mm -hmm. good. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's a chat forum uh, special out there, especially you know with a name like Dragon Tail. How can you go wrong? But I, I think for me, it's just... A, a bit too specky. I don't know enough about the industry. And maybe, as you say, the website's not that great, but the presentation looked fantastic. All right. Let's, uh, well, difference opinion always yeah. makes a market. EML Payments is coming to us from Alex. This is one of the most followed companies on the Ausbiz platform, has been consistently uh, from, you know, the beginning. EML is the ticker code, global fintech company, end-to-end -end solutions for payments, but also... Um, you know, it, it has gift cards. It has a lot of different uh, fingers in a lot of different pies. Andrew, email payments, do you like it? Lots of moving parts, Nadine. And I think on a valuation basis at 41 times earnings, it's certainly up there. Bearing in mind, it's up nearly 250% of its sort of March 23 lows, which I know is a bit of an unfair comparison, but factually that's true. Uh, I like the fact that it's uh, we've got this sort of mega trend, if I can use that term, moving away from cash. So certainly uh, sort of ticks that box. But uh, margins are okay at eight percent. Pretty weak return on shareholders' funds at three percent. It's trading, you know, around that four dollars. Consensus is four thirty. Uh, it's a hold. 
a hold. Okay, but we are, Henry, moving to a cashless society. We it are. Well, does have unless you're a Tyro merchant. Well, quite a day. Well done, bravo. <laughs> so, email. Um, yeah, it, you know what? It's a really complicated business. They did a um, a big a big roadshow not long ago where they basically invited in people from EML, provide the guys that use EML from around the world to sh showcase how they used it, what they do, and what businesses. It, it was just mind blowing. It was really professional, very slick. Didn't actually give you much insight into EML itself, apart from this diversity of uses, um, primarily what the market thinks of it as gift cards, but also preloaded cards, especially uh, one of the big sort of drivers of this was the deal they did in the US with Bet365, so preloaded gaming cards in the US, so you couldn't sort of get out of control with your, with your gambling at a points bet. Um, but it is a very, very complicated company. There's an awful lot of things going on there, and that does concern me. It's not cheap. And I guess I, I used to own this in our little small cap portfolio mm -hmm. that I run. And I liked it for a long time, but when we started seeing COVID hitting, in, and especially in Europe where they've got quite a big presence in the gift card side of things, um, that did slow my enthusiasm down and, and I got out of this one. It had had a really good run as well. It's, it's, it's a good business. They're heading in the right direction, but it is really complicated. There's so many sort of strings to their bow. And I wonder whether it's just too complicated to, to manage properly and it's not the cheapest thing in the world um, so it's 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 not a sell but it's certainly not a buy I think I have to put it in the hold camp at the moment it is quite volatile as well it tends to try and follow those buy now pay later stocks mm -hmm. so if you get afterpay going well you'll see EML get dragged up yeah as well. yeah we um, noticed that a lot they, they do get uh, do get that so I'd probably just stand aside at the moment and be quite happy to hold it Okay, uh, an observer. All right, Right Crowd is another one I've had to look up. RCW yep. is the ticker code coming to us from Richard. Thanks for sending that one in and educating us in the software, services space, safety, security, and compliance solutions. And again, relating to people. So an example that was given uh, when it comes to social distancing, it has um, wearables that will help make sure that people are practicing appropriate social distancing. I'm sure amongst much other uh, things so uh, not profitable at this time Henry if you're looking for a catalyst what could it potentially be what is it about this company that investors should know um, I'd never heard of this one till today I've got to say until I looked at this morning so probably not the best person to speak to but it does cover a lot of COVID things that we're seeing at the moment creating safe secure and compliant workplaces which is always a good thing you'll notice that every resource company under the Sun the first yeah. thing they mention is their safety record and this obviously plays into that theme. It's not a very big company. Uh, it's quite illiquid. It's $91 million market cap. It's quite illiquid. There's a few shares that have just come out of escrow. I think six, six odd million shares come out of escrow. Um, I can't, I couldn't get uh, to the buy on this one at the moment. I, for me, I'd have to do a lot more work on it, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, so right crowd RCW. Let's find out if Andrew was able to get uh, more research under his belt uh, and, and inform us a little bit more about Right Crowd and what could potentially be investable about it or not? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a buy at the moment, Nadine. $24,000 a day of shares that are traded, so it's pretty thinly traded, reasonably hard to get set. And equally so, if you needed to exit, you know, it's pretty hard to, to get to those exits. Interesting background in that, if I understand it correctly, the business itself was actually sold to SAP 
the, the German data company back in 2006 uh, by the founder, uh, Mr. Hill, and uh, it actually got basically spun out and sold by SAP three years later. So it's sort of one of these businesses where they achieved the goal of selling to a, a big multinational and then bought it back again. So uh, I thought that was interesting in itself. Um, the, the big big investment in R&D, nearly 40% of the revenue is actually invested back into R&D. I do like that. I mean, you think about CSL, I think it's about 10% of their revenue goes back into R&D. So I like businesses that do that. And the other thing, of course, is that they've got a big focus, as do a lot of these businesses these days, on in recurring revenue. Uh, they're seeing pretty strong revenue growth. But at the end of the day, it's just too hard to get set into it at this stage. So it's a whole but interesting business. Okay, so we'll watch Right Crowd, Richard. Thanks for bringing it across our desks. I'm just checking my... Well, there's not a lot of buys coming through here today. Orthocell is the only one thus far. No pressure. Don't no, sigh, okay. Henry. We don't want to push you into a corner, but I'm curious about this last one that's on our list in the media space. Nine Entertainment. Most of us know it. NEC is the ticker code. Coming to us from Sam. Hope you're with us, Sam, uh, to hear what the guys have to say about this one. Andrew, I'll pick it up with you. Uh, really leveraged to advertising really leveraged to the stay-at-home thematic in terms of Stan, also leveraged to the property space domain. So those three are all on an upswing. Uh, do you think that it can last? What do you make of Nine? Uh, bearing in mind they own about 59% of domain, um, Nadine. So that's certainly uh, a positive for them. If I can just step away br briefly and just talk about the whole Google versus uh, media uh, thing that's going on at the moment and these sort of laws that are being debated at the moment. I think that's going to have a big impact not only on Nine, we're already seeing the share price of Seven West Media kicking along as well. And it, as I understand it, it's basically the government is saying to Google and to Facebook that they need to be paying for news links. And Google, and probably the most contentious part, because we're already seeing this in France as well, but that any changes to the Google algorithm needs to be sort of uh, flagged 28 days in advance. And anybody who remotely understands how the internet works would tell you that it changes lickety-split. It's not sort of 28 days notice and decided by committee and three in triplicate. So this could, this sort of whole rule change could have a potential rule change could have a real impact on these media companies. Say the, they sort of come to some compromise. I actually think you'll find some of these media companies will come off in price because of the expectation that this Google deal may be beneficial to them. So we're seeing in France, it's probably not as beneficial as what people at first thought. If we then come back to Nine, dominant player in TV, print and radio, uh, consensus is about 290 relative to the share price of 240, but at 19 times, Nadine, uh, I'd have to say this is a pretty demanding business and, you know, it's certainly no longer a moat, especially when their earnings are basically, or their margins are only about sort of 8%. So, yeah, look, and finally, I note Peter Costello, of course, is the chair. He's uh, paid about $340,000 per annum, which isn't too bad if you can get it. And he owns just under $200,000 worth of uh, shares. So, again, not really ticking the skin in the game box. So, uh, sorry, it's a hold. Hold. What do you think of Nine? Because, as I said, the broader economic thematics are improving for Nine. Yep. Uh, new management, 
though, uh, cost management also continues to be, you know, crucial. It has to be. Yeah. At, the, at these groups. So yeah. is Nine getting the sauce right? Is there now another element of risk in with a new CEO? Um, there always is, I guess. Um, the numbers they've certainly produced so far have been heading in the right direction. Um, it's still the one. And I've got to say that the cross-promotional opportunities they have now between Domain, Fairfax, Nine, Stan, you, you can see it every day when you, when you log on and you're reading the mm -hmm. Sydney Morning Herald, they're promoting their products very extensively, which is, which is obviously you know, what you have to do, which is really good. So that does sort of play with how News Corp uh, work with the Australian and Foxtel and all that sort of stuff. So um, I kind of like Nine. It's got a lot of things going for it. And I think Stan is the, is the sleeper still. You know, we've all fallen in love with Netflix. And, you know, we've, we've got Stan here, which may get a little bit sort of uh, second place in the whole scheme of things. But it is a bit of a sleeper in terms of valuation. You look at the, the numbers on Netflix and you think, well, you know, Stan's a pretty good service. It hasn't got quite the same content and it's not making uh, quite the amount of programming that uh, Netflix does. But it is a sleeper in there. Domain obviously has done far better. We didn't get the property crash that we thought we were going to have mm -hmm. and a lot of people said we were going to have. So that's done really well. And I, it's hard to fault nine really for execution so far. It's not an easy environment either. And they seem to have done quite well in a tough environment. So if you consider the environment will improve as we go through the year and we should get some GDP growth coming through, we should get the vaccine, we should get all these things happening. Um, I think nine's got potential to push through three bucks. So it's a buy. It's a buy. It's a buy. It's a buy. Okay, just to confirm. It's a buy. It's okay. a buy. It's a buy. And uh, interesting, just anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people complaining about the offerings on Netflix at this time in Australia as well. So That's, I do think yeah. sometimes people get, they've gone through it so many times yeah. that they get a little bit turned off and start thinking, hmm, where yeah, else can I go? You kind of think every Monday. Well, I always think that every Monday or Sunday night, you know, it'll sort of flick over and there'll be a yeah. whole swathe of new content. And you look and you go, oh, really? Yeah, but that's the thing we used to do in, you know, in the video store, I'm, stand and look at the wall and wonder I'm what you're going to well, watch. Well, I used to spend you know, an hour in the video store <laughs> going, well, which one should we watch? So. All right, so nine is a buy from Henry Jennings, Marcus, today. All right, let's run you through uh, some of those companies we were just discussing. Uh, PointsBet, let's start there. Um, yeah. Don't mind it, is the words of Andrew Veitland. Not exactly a ringing endorsement, and that perhaps is coming from the valuation. Uh, look, it is looking pretty good, but it is a hold. It's got a big market that it has to crack, and it has to do it well. Massive market, in the words of Henry Jennings. Uh, pretty big company now as well, $3 billion market cap. Got great management. He does like it, but he thinks that it's a bit exy. Um, so it is a hold, and that is taking us to Dragon Tail Systems, DTS. So all the buzzwords are in there, AI, algo, whatever, 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 but it's not uh, winning over Andrew Veitland. He says, look, 20% um, of the company is in management hands. It's pretty illiquid. It's a hold for him. It is a hold, I believe, for, uh, for Henry as well. Again, thin, thin trade, so it's illiquid very small group holding it. Uh, yeah, it sounds all good and the presentation was flash, but uh, Henry also says it's perhaps run too hard, too specky, too risky at this stage of the game. So when it comes to EML payments, Henry actually used to own this one, but he did sell out. Right now it's a hold for him. He's a bit concerned that the company is a bit too complicated and it has been impacted by COVID, although it is a good business. Um, EML payments, I guess it's the, the valuation that has Andrew a little bit reticent about this one. Um, he says it looks okay, it's a hold. 
Uh, seems to be a thematic today, these holds. Right crowd, RCW, neither of the guys, it just, you know, to put it out there, knew much about this company, perhaps still don't know tons about the company. But, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting in, uh, in the words of Andrew Veitland. However, again, illiquid. So, yeah, it'll be hard to get in. But think about it this way. It'll also be hard to exit if you ever needed to or wanted to. Um, but it does have a lot of recurring revenue. Profitability, of course, is the question. Hold for him. Uh, look, it's not a very big company, Illiquid, in Henry's view. Again, it's a hold, but we've got to buy. We've got to buy from Henry just before you get bored, and that is nine. The operating environment is improving. It's got stand. It's got domain. He kind of likes it. Again, it took him a while to warm up to that buy, but I got him there in the end. No influence from me. Lots of cross-promotional um, opportunities as well when it comes to nine. Andrew just uh, still doesn't think it's that exciting. It's a demanding business, not enough skin in the game from its share in particular. Margins, not great. The moat, he says, is gone. So nine from Andrew is a hold. It will not be going in the portfolio despite Henry's uh, best efforts. Okay, so that is the 10 stocks, pretty much done and dusted. Before you start to go away, tune out, turn off, uh, I'd really love to get you to do our um, our, a survey that we've got of our subscribers. So what we want to do is just learn a bit more about you, but, but really what we would like to know is what you like, either what you wish we were doing or what you really love that we do. It is a pretty quick survey to do. Take five minutes at the most. It's open until the 10th of February. You can go to that website that's at the bottom of your screen there to access it, or if you sign up for our newsletter, you can just click through a banner that will be up there. So um, we know that nobody likes to do anything for free. We get it. Two people who fill the survey out will be randomly selected to win $2,000 each in a superhero account. So hopefully you can do that survey with us. We will put that information to good use to make this service better for you. So huge thanks to Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory joining us from Toowoomba. Andrew, it's always good to chat. Um, thanks for the puns. Thanks for the, t the time. We really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, Nadine. And for those people filling out the survey, your favorite call person, thanks very much. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, we did not put that question in, however, Feel free to put it in other. Okay, Henry Jennings, Marcus today. Great of you to come in. We'll see you, see you in a week or so. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. All right, uh, any stocks you would like us to cover, please do flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us at TV. We had one come in this morning. And if you want to find out what is in, what is out of the portfolio, go to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. That's it for the call today. We'll be back with The Pulse after a very short break.